Okay, so I want to show you a picture. This was the instigator about what I'm going to talk about this morning. See that? That is a hamburger with a fried egg and bacon captured by two glazed donuts. So now, don't judge me. Because we all know that when you go on vacation, calories don't count. So that was two summers ago. And, and that was the tipping point of the scales. So when we got home from vacation, we decided that we we're going to eat different. And the following day, I came home and Pam had cleared out from the cupboards, from the pantry, from the refrigerator, everything that tastes good. It was gone. <laughs> So we changed our eating style. We still cheat once in a while and sometimes more than once in a while. But it is our passion to be healthy. So to change our state, to change our status, we had to change our quo. We had to change the status quo. Status quo, the state in which the state of what has to change and had to change for us or our present state would not. So if you are thinking about getting married, and there's some folks here thinking about getting married, I saw them. Where are they? Oh, right there. So you guys, You know that if you're going to get married, there's going to be a changing of the quo. The status is going to change because you can't get married and remain single in your quo, in who you are and what you do. So, dude, when, when, when you come home and flop down on the couch and, and turn on ESPN and, and rip off those dirty socks and throw them on the floor next to the toenail clippings, that's not going to last long, I'm telling you. And you can stuff them in the couch. She's going to find them. And this whole thing about leaving this, the dishes in the sink for two weeks until you use every dish, you're going to find that now the dishes must migrate to the dishwasher much sooner than before. There must be a changing of the status, the state of your quo, who you are and what you do. When you decide that you're going to have a child, a baby, there must be a changing, there must be a change of the quo. The status must change. You're not just inviting a short person to live with you. <laughs> There's going to be a change of a lot of things. Your social life will become non-existent. You will never be spontaneous during those years because you just can't say, hey, let's go, because you just can't go. You cannot be selfishly focused. And you can't say, hey, isn't it great just to be a couple? Because there's now been a changing of the status of your quo, who you are and what you do. Now, here's what I found out about following Jesus. It's impossible to keep the status of our quo and follow him. Because the problem is this, the biggest percentage of our quo, who we are and what we do, has already been shaped by a culture that Jesus does not participate in. So for me to change, 
What I, what I, I, actually, I don't want to change because what I want to do is I want to come to a, something like this or go to a rock the lakes and, and feel this Jesus love and keep my quo, keep who I am and what I do and just be cool about it. And so then I come to a worship service like this maybe once every three or four weeks so I can tell God how great He is and that should just hold me over. And then somebody gets up and tells me that Jesus wants me to change my quo. that Jesus wants me to be or to do something else. And now I've got to decide, is that true? And if it's true, then I've got to change. But you see, I don't want to change. It's just, it's just built in us, and especially in Erie, we like status quo. We are a test market. If it flies in Erie, it'll fly most any place else because we like the status of our quo. We like beer and bowling and to brag about having the most snow in the entire world. That's us. So to change, if I'm really going to change, the value must outweigh the current contentment. To be contented is to like the way that things are presently are. I, it's the way it's always been and it's where my comfort level is. So I have to see, I've got to see the value in changing the which and the what, the who I am and what I do. I've got to see value in doing that or I'm not going to do that. So Pam and I decided that, that we needed to eat something healthy. And so we said, let's, 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 let's do the real good stuff because we decided there was value in eating that as opposed to diabetes and heart disease. Okay, so we're going to do that. So no more glazed donut hamburgers. Well, maybe once in a while. <laughs> I decided 38 years ago that I saw value in putting someone else's needs in front of mine own, especially if I could have a soul partner that would last forever, that, that, that Pam and I could hang out together and I, would, and I would care for her. I would pull her around wherever we go. <laughs> My, our, our daughter found a love in her that she did not know was there that was part of her life until she had our grandson. I think we got a picture of him. There we go. There he is. And she decided that, that the value is there, and he's not sitting on the john, by the way, just so you know. She had to decide that, that the love that she felt for him was, was very much worth the incredible inconveniences that come with that. So Jesus knows that and He tells us this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So take the stuff that we control, our finances, our, our attention, our schedule, and He said, wherever you place that, your heart's going to be right there. And that will be the proof of what you value. Wherever, those, wherever that went, where your time went, where your dollars went, if, if that's where it's all going, that is what you value. And the question is this, when you get down the road, do you want to look back and say, yes, that's exactly where I wanted to invest myself, all that I had. That's what I wanted. So Jesus says, let me give you a test. If you're a follower of mine, he's, here's what he says, Luke 12, 33. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. So we came here this morning and had this wonderful worship expression. 
Because we wanted to get close to God. That's why we come here. Because we want to sense him. Because we are created by him. And, and the scripture says he's placed eternity in our hearts, which means that there's this everlasting need to be with him. To just be with him. It's amazing that when they came to Jesus, the first people, John's disciples said, said we, we want to know more about you. He said, just come hang out with me. And the scripture said when Jesus chose his disciples, he chose them that they could be with him. We have this deep, deep drive to be with him. And so we came here this morning to say, let's just be with him. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not it. Yes, that's part of it, but that's not the whole of it. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find someone who's losing life. They're, they're losing their hope. They're losing their dreams. They're, they're losing their, their faith. And I want you to give them your life. Everything about you, give it to them. And if you do, you will find that your heart moved right close to God's. For he said, you will put treasure in heaven. And that, and that whole concept is, that is where God is. And you get to be right there. As I spent time last night, and I spent hours, we've been working on this for three years, and it all boiled down to me and Lucas. And I knew at that moment, I was doing exactly what Jesus had designed me to do. There's a lot of other things I like to do, but I knew that was, that was real. That was the deal. And I felt like Jesus was standing right there with me going, yeah, this is so cool. And then Jesus said to me, I can't understand the words either, but this is so cool. <laughs> he didn't really say that, but I think he would. <laughs> so we're going to have to really believe that's the case that if we give our life away, that our heart goes with God, if it's going to create in us the desire to change. But you say, but that's really not my passion because I sit here. Because here's my concern. How often do you come and gather in a place like this and you hear stuff and you go, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good, and there's no change. You, you, haven't, you haven't moved. You haven't done a thing. I think Jesus dealt with that with the disciples. Every once in a while, he would turn to them and go, how long am I going to be with you? How long? How long? What? You, you still don't get this? Oh, you of dinky faith. I'm trying to get you to move. I want us to understand this morning that passion is the result of action. It's not the cause of it. Even if we're going to change, and in fact, if we're going to change, then we have to act even when our passion tells us to remain the same, that the quo will not change. We still have to make an action even though our passion says, don't do this because it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not normal for us. We haven't done this before. We still have to act. And that action is to give up something we loved being or doing so as we can be or do something else. And we go, oh, I don't want to do that. And then Jesus hits us right between the eyes, and he says this to us, Matthew 10. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. Okay, let me just, let me just put that in my terms. If you're not willing to change, then you're not worthy of walking with me. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it, but if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Jesus gave up his rights. He gave up his benefits of being God. He, he changed the status of his quo. Who he was and what he did is changed. Now he becomes a human and he serves others instead of us serving him. 
And in doing so, he gives up his life and dies for us so that he can forgive us for our sins because somebody's got to pay for our sins. Jesus saw the value and he acted. To take up our cross is to create a new state in which we function, to create a new state of what we are. You're sitting there today, and you know that Jesus is telling you to change something. And the way you're going to change that is you're going to have to take a step of action that's going to change the atmosphere in which you function, change the state of where you function, to change the state of who you are. You're going to have to do something because Jesus is not going to take you by the arm and say, here, let's go do this. He's already said, go do this. He's waiting for you to move. I hear people say, you know, if, if God was so loving, I need to ask him a question. Why are there so many, so much poverty in America? And, and why doesn't Jesus do something? And I think Jesus turns to us and said, wait, why don't you do something? Why aren't you doing something? I'm waiting for you to act. To follow Jesus demands that we change, and that is more than just intellectual assent. We say, yes, life, life receivers are made to be life givers. We've talked about that these last few weeks. But we actually have to do that. So Jesus says, I, I, I want you to have this passion, so I'm going to give you some action. And here's what he tells them to do and tells us to do. Matthew 10, he continues, he says this. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers, and don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons, for you have been treated generously, so live what? Generously. Another translation says, freely you have received, freely you give. It's what we're made to do. That's why we've said these last few weeks, for the next 12 months, our goal is this, simply to give life. People say, what, what are you guys doing over at Erie First? What, what's your community of faith? We give life. That's what we do. We're calling it CPR. The C stands for connecting. That's what Jesus just told them. Go out there and find people and connect to them and help them connect to Jesus. You say, but that's I'm just I'm uncomfortable doing that. It's not my style. Yeah, it's time to change your quo. But God didn't make me that way. To, to go out and do that thing. Yeah, but he's given you a, a way to change, so now you've got to change. The state of your quo must change. That's why our goal is that we could say to anybody who calls this their community of faith any time in these next 12 months to say, who are you walking with? Who are you connecting to? And you can say, hey, I'm, I'm walking with Janice. I, I've, got, I've got George over here I'm walking with. To, and, and you should know who that is. You say, well, I don't have any friends that don't know Jesus. Then shame on you. Change your quo. Because when you get to see Jesus, he's not going to say, so, how was the pie social? He's going to say, okay, I gave you one thing to do. One thing. Go connect with people and give them life. So how'd you do? Well, I was really busy just sitting in church. No, no, no. If you were actually sitting in church, church is mobile because you can't sit. It's, it's, it's liquid. It goes wherever it needs to go. Chances are that you wouldn't find Jesus sitting in church. You'd find him wherever people are hurting and need life, and he would pour into them. 
So we've got to change the status of a cult. That's why we were inviting friends. That's why we said, go find some people and invite them to rock the lakes. What a wonderful opportunity to have a presence of Jesus and for them to hear this wonderful, simple message by a man who's been appointed by God to explain it in such a way that people go, got it. Okay, so let me tell you about my quo. I'm an introvert. You say, well, you're on stage. We can do that. It's the, it's the one-on-one stuff. That's why I married an extrovert. I just get behind her and I get waves of friends that just come off of Pam. Just, oh, hey. <laughs> but, the, the, but the problem is that when I go someplace and Pam's not with me, they go, where's Pam? Oh. So, so I told you, you should go invite friends. That means I've got to go invite friends and introverts don't like to go into other people's space and, and chance rejection. So, I'm thinking, who can I invite? Who can I invite? Who can I invite? So, so I work out at this gym, and there's this, this girl that's really nice. She's a trainer, and she walks into this room where I'm, I'm stretching, and, 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 and I say, hey, how you doing? And we're talking. And I said, where are you from? And she said, well, I'm from this place. And I said, so you're not from here? No. I said, so you work here a lot of hours? Yeah. And then what do you do after that? She said, well, I'm actually kind of alone. And, and she's, she's a 20-something. And I said, oh, man. And I said, you ever heard of Rock the Lakes? Now, this is killing me because I'm afraid she can look at me and go, what are you, an idiot? I said, have you heard of Rock the Lakes? And she goes, yeah. You know anything about it? I said, yeah. <laughs> so I told her about it. She says, so you have something to do with it? I said, maybe a little. <laughs> so you got to be there. So I don't know if she was there because there are a lot of people, so I, I, I don't know. And, and I felt like God said, see, we're just going to change your quote. So I, I'm walking out of there, and a little bit later, I walk into this guy who is a childhood friend of, of my son, and they, he used to come over to our house. And, and I said, hey how you doing? And I said, have you heard Rock the Lakes? No, what's Rock the Lakes? I said, you haven't heard about it? You haven't seen the guitar things up on the billboards? And where you been? And so we talked about it. I said, you got to come. And he said, really? I bring my girlfriend? I said, you got, it's free. He said, free? <laughs> I'll be there. A couple days later, I'm sitting in a restaurant waiting for a friend to show up. And the waiter comes up and he's talking to me and we're talking about things. And he says, yeah. I'm, I said, now do you work here all the time? And, and he says, well, I'm actually a DJ at a radio station. I just have one program I do. I said, you like good music? He said, yeah. I said, oh, have you heard of Rock the Lakes? No. So we started talking about Rock the Lakes. And, and so he said, sounds cool. And then he said, free? And I said, yeah, it's free. You can be there. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I had to take some action. I had to start. And it's not my, it's not my quo to be that way. But I know that I had to change it. So I, I took some steps. And I found as I took those steps, passion started growing in me. And I thought, this is so great. So I'm starting to walk up to strangers and go, hey, you heard of Rock the Lakes? You've got to go to Rock the Lakes. It's what God does to us. He says, I want you to take this step, even if it's not part of who you are. It's time for you to change the state of your quo. So this, these folks living in a land that was overrun with poverty decided to change the quo. Because their quo had been and would be that if you're in poverty, you keep asking for stuff. Give me life, give me life. And instead, these people changed their quo and they said, let's give you life. And Paul describes it. He wrote to the church in Corinth and he said this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. And they're in severe, severe poverty. They're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed into rich generosity, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. 
They begged us, catch this, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem who were in a drought and they were having a tough time and they needed gifts. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So they decided first to say, okay, God, I'm giving myself to you. And God said, take some steps and, and I want some action. You help other people. And the amazing thing is when they did, these poor people who gave the little they had to others, the passion grew in them that they begged and said, please let us give more. Please let us. I look forward to the day when people around here say, please let us keep giving to the poor. Let us keep giving to those who are in need. Let us keep giving. So they did something about it. Paul, in writing this letter, was writing to the church in Corinth because they had started to do this, but they didn't finish the action, and therefore they had no passion. And he said, your problem is this. You need power to accomplish that, and that's the P in CPR, power. You read through Corinthians, and you're going to find a lot of, a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit and His giftings, and he said, you need power. If you're going to be able to do this, when you step out in this action, you depend upon the Holy Spirit who will energize you and create that passion in you. That passion comes from the Spirit of God. That's why we said for the next 12 months, we want you every day to get up and say, Holy Spirit, you come on me, and, and, and you flow on me so that I have this passion and this power to do the steps and the action that you've called me to do. If you want to know more about that, just check out the podcast from last week. Because he makes us then into people who are just like Jesus, and we can't be followers of Jesus without learning how to give. And that's that R and CPR, that's resource, that we've got these things that we can give to others. So where we place our resources dictate where we want our heart to be. So simply that's why one of the things that I think that God created so that we could resource out and be the way we're supposed to be is this whole concept of tithing. It means the tenth part. It's just ingenious how God designed this. It, it, the tithe, the 10% of what we have, our, our income, our resource, is what Abraham gave to God to declare, you are, you are Lord over everything in my life. And then it was what Moses brought down from the mountain that God said, this is so great, I'm putting it in the law so that you of Israel will take that 10% and you'll bring it into the storehouse. And in doing so, as you do, you're declaring that I am Lord over your life and I am claiming you and tagging you as my own. It's what Jesus said was the beginning stage for generosity. He's speaking to some religious leaders and he's actually rebuking them and he says this to them in Matthew 23, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so somebody says, well, see, he said, get rid of the tithe. He didn't say that. In fact, the, 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 the phrasing he uses there is a moral imperative. You should do these things. In fact, if Jesus didn't want tithing in there, he was pretty clear on the things he wanted out of the law. And he said, he, he, and he, said, he could have said, get rid of that and just do mercy and justice. But he said, no, you should keep doing that. But it's just the beginning point because when you find people who need mercy, give them mercy. When, when you find people who need justice, you give them justice. When you find people who need faith, you give them faith. Give them life. But the tenth begins the process of saying, it's not mine, it's all yours. The practical side of that tithe is this. 
He said, you bring that into the storehouse because that's where the community of faith gathers together. And the whole concept was that as we give our 10% together in the community of faith, it makes it possible for us to establish as places of worship and we can, we, can, we can make that happen and we can take care of the people of the community because we, are, we give freely. We take care of each other. So when these kids came up on stage today to go to Inside Out, I'm thinking to myself, my tithe helped that happen. Those kids get to hear about Jesus because I tithe and other people did the same thing. We've got this, this, this youth group called Rise that, that meets at the summit. And because we tithe, they get to gather there. And, 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 and Pastor Jason, I'm going to ask you to come up. I want you to share a little bit about what that does. If you were at our, our, our kickoff, you're going to hear a little bit more or going to hear the same thing over again, but it's just amazing. Can you grab that mic down there? And I want him to share with you what, what, what generosity, is, especially just starting with the tithe, which takes care of what's happening here, what it's doing. Share that, would you? Yeah, a great example of your giving and what it does is it, 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 it like mobilizes us and empowers us uh, to do what we do on Wednesday nights, but not only on Wednesdays, but throughout the week. Uh, we have been in an amazing upswing or momentum, as you can say, with our students. We're empowering them. We're sending them into their schools. We're teaching them how to pray, how to pray for the sick. We're seeing people healed. We're teaching them how to worship at their school and uh, to do things, to go out, to change their status quo. Uh, with that, I always challenge the students and I say, look, I'll never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do or that I haven't done. And uh, so I have been encouraging them and saying, go out, find your friends who don't know Jesus and just begin to share life with them and begin to talk to them. And so I've been doing the same. I have uh, two young boys, actually it just grew to three over the past month that um, I'm investing in on a regular basis. And these kids, they don't come from, you know, a happy home. They don't come from a great situation. And at first, they didn't know Jesus. And I would just spend time with them. And they would say things that were off the wall, you know, that some of us would probably cringe at. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm just like, no, I'm, my job is to love them. I'm going to love you, and I'm just going to show you the presence of Jesus. Well, the end result is, is they accept Jesus as their personal Savior. Then they get baptized at our water baptism that we have at Rise. And now we hang out on a weekly basis and we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about things like the Holy Spirit. And they don't always get it, but they're starting to little by little. I want to tell you one more uh, story about a girl named Anna. Uh, Anna, it's the girl with the red hair in the back there. Uh, months and months ago, well, almost a year ago, Anna started attending Rise and she would never speak to anybody. She came in, you know, clothes, you know, dark makeup, dark clothes, all this, and she would never, ever speak to anybody. And I had these two great youth leaders, Dan and Jen Sheldon, who just literally walked up to her and just started talking to her and talked to her about Jesus. They just started talking to her. So Anna would come back every week. She wouldn't hang out with anybody. She wouldn't, you know, but Dan and Jen were like always right there. And I would say hi to her and I'd get a head nod. And that was about it. Well, Anna was a self-proclaimed Satan worshiper. And I had people that were saying, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, she worships Satan. I'm like, she's going to come and worship Jesus. <laughs> she's welcome here. So Anna comes and Anna comes, and we realized that she wouldn't go into worship because she said when she would go in and worship, she would basically, her skin would crawl. You know, she just couldn't handle it. I said, I'll make you a deal. You come listen to me preach, and you don't have to come in for worship. But we would play it throughout the building <laughs> while she was sitting out there <laughs> over the PA system. <laughs> So anyway, finally one night, uh, you know, 
Anna just comes from a horrific lifestyle. Finally, one night, I was giving my testimony, and Anna was sitting in there, and she came to me afterwards. She was all teared up, and she says, I really need to talk to you. And I knew she wasn't looking for attention. And I said, this is serious. So I grabbed Jen, and I'm like, come on. You know, so we go in the office, and we sit down, and Anna begins to declare who, who she currently is. And she gets to this point, and she says, I want to accept Jesus. And I said, what? She says, I want to accept Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. And uh, so we led Anna through this prayer. And as she was a, a renouncing Satan, like, the presence of God was so tangible, just came down, like, in my office. And she, at the same time, with one moment she's renouncing Satan, and next minute she's accepting Jesus as her personal Savior. So she gives her heart to Jesus. And uh, Anna moved away. She moved away over to New York State, but we haven't lost connection with her. We still talk to her. I still talk to her. Jen still talks to her. She still struggles, but she's still seeking Jesus. In fact, the other day she called me and she says, I, I, you know, I hate life. I hate this. I hate that. And in a nutshell, I said, Anna, what's your purpose? Why are you alive? She goes, I really don't know. And I said, I think you need to ask Jesus why you're alive, because you have a purpose. You have a reason that you're still alive. And so now she said, I found my purpose. And so this is just an example of what you do with your resources that enables us to reach kids like this on a regular basis. So thank you for your giving. Thank you for what you're doing. That's what our tithes do. That's what Jesus said. He said, freely you have, received, freely give. Give life. Now, those Macedonians, what they were actually giving wasn't their tithe. That, that stayed in community. What they were doing, there's this additional thing called offerings where God says, and it's all mine, so, so there's this problem in Jerusalem, so you need, to, you need to give out of whatever you have to help these folks. And, it, and it's what we do around here with our outreaches. It's, it's, what, it's what the offerings are doing that are getting kids off the streets of Kenya. It's, it's how we get kids off garbage dumps in, not, in, in Nicaragua with John and Wilma Hall. It's what we do on the Edinburgh campus. I'm going to ask Nicole to come up and just tell you a little bit about what's going on. Because of your offerings, because of your outreach offerings, your missions offerings, what a difference it's making on that campus right now. Everybody say hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Good morning. Well, we uh, launched just a few weeks ago off to a great start um, this semester. We had more students at our welcome back picnic than we ever have um, in the past, so that was amazing. A close to the tune of 400 or so. And so it was really a great moment where we could just let all of those students know about Kyle and that we're here for them, even if they weren't ready to come right away, that they were knew that it was available. Um, we launched 19 small groups, so 19 times a week, um, students open up the Word of God in those dorms and buildings all across that campus. And so that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And um, how we are able to do that is we have a really strong leadership team all made up of students. Oh, okay. I'm like, what am I doing? Um, really strong leadership team, all made up of students. Another blessing this year is we have a lot of returning students that have been in leadership for a few years. And so we finally kind of had that stability and they're teaching one another and really caught the vision for discipleship. Um, last Thursday, we had a baptism service on campus and 21 students got baptized. So that was really great. Yeah, and many of them um, just this month came to understanding of who Jesus was. Uh, which was just so neat to see them take a step of obedience. 
Um, and it's been, we've had uh, worship services, we have about five on campus, we have one each week, and we've been studying for Thessalonians, and we really challenge the students to open up the word and read it, and then we have um, sort of just like a way to interact where they sign uh, a board if they've read it, and what's been so cool is so many of the students said, I've never read the word of God for myself, and what encourages me is we know that the word of God is life-changing, you know, like as they read it, that God is doing something in them, so that's awesome. So I echo Pastor Jason and just thank you. Thank you for all the support over all these years that you've given um, Joel and I and just for believing in us and sending us each year um, in faith. And thank you from those students who have no idea that all of you believe and give each week, but they, they have felt the presence of God because of your faithfulness. So thank you so much. Thanks, Nicole. In addition to that, one of the things that your offerings, your giving for outreach have, have created is this thing we call Erie Young Adults. It, it really was birthed out of Chi Alpha. This group that went on the campus had been here and had left a, a really nice group, of a strong group of, of, of leaders. And then, and then Adam and Danielle Frano came in and, and began to give leadership, and, and a bunch of the leaders are here today. And so I'm going to ask Frano's to come up and just tell you what's going on with, with what's happening with as you are giving generously, how it's affecting the young adults of this city. Everybody say hi, Franos. Hi, hi church. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, how many of you were at Rock the Lakes last night? Let me see. And you guys heard the music? Probably didn't understand it, but you heard it. <laughs> that kind of music, though, they play that music because that's what the generation wants to hear. And it's not... Um, the easiest music to put on. It's not that show that you saw last night isn't something that's easy to put on. But that's what it takes to reach this difficult young adult generation and the generation coming up. Um, a couple years ago when Young Adults started, we were partnering with some of the churches in the area that were looking uh, for a ministry for their young adults. And one of them on their website read, um, our our young adult ministry, our approach to young adults is no approach. Um, they literally did not offer anything for their young adults because they are difficult. They're coming from an upbringing um, from broken churches, broken homes, um, fathers that they've been abandoned from, drugs and alcohol. And um, so when they're getting older, uh, they're difficult and hard to reach. And what we've seen God do these past years, we've realized that it's not a lost generation. It's just a generation that's waiting to be found. And once they are found, and once they see the spark of Jesus, it's amazing. I, I was sitting there earlier, and I thought I knew exactly what I was going to say. And then I saw, I saw young adults walking in this morning, and the stories upon stories of so many of them that are sitting there. And across the city are heartbreaking but it's so rewarding seeing what God's doing in their life. I wrote some stuff down because I'm shaking and because out of excitement, I'm just so thankful for what God's done. And I have to use notes today because I'm going to be all over the place. Um, we didn't even realize, actually, the depths of how many young adults were struggling how lost the statistics of 83% of them falling from their faith when they graduate high school is devastating. Um, 
We've seen young adults that have gone from wearing scars on their wrists, cutting from cutting, piercings all over their face because they were so desperate, suicidal knives in their hands. And those same young adults, Scotty, if you could stand up real quick. Those same young adults that were wearing scars on their hands from from cutting are now wearing shirts that say, we exist to reveal Jesus. Mm. They're coming in and they're... They're coming in and they're experiencing Jesus and they just can't help but just want to share that love. We had a, a 33-year-old guy named Brady who would come in every week and he would be so shaky because he was struggling with alcoholism. And one of the things that's so cool about young adults is when they catch a little bit of a glimpse of Jesus, it's like a light just burns under their butt (laughs) and they get so excited and they just want to outreach and do everything. So one of the things that we did was we connected with the city mission and a group of them goes once a month and serves and prays with the homeless. And then through that, um, we sponsored a Christmas family and um, this family lost their job and everything. And so the young adults came together and raised over $2,000 for this family And because of the extra money that was raised, they take these kids out every single month, a group of young adults, to Splash Lagoon and all these different places. And that same 33-year-old alcoholic that was shaking was one of the people that was pushing the shopping cart in the store to get Christmas presents for those kids. He helped raise so much money for that. And now he's in Tennessee, and he's starting a young adult ministry in Tennessee because there isn't one there. (laughs) Lastly, there's a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he grew up in church. He went to youth group, and at one point he broke and he made some bad decisions. He started getting addicted to drugs and alcohol and highly addicted to heroin. He was condemned, and his family turned his back on him, and so did the church. Well, he came into young adults, And he struggled there, and he would come in every week on heroin. And the young adult guys just loved on him so much, and they would walk with him through things. And we found out over time that he was, uh, he, he tried to quit, and then he started back up again. So the young adult guys got together, and they went to his house and did a surprise intervention. And he went to rehab, and he's been clean now for almost a year, I believe, right? No more heroin. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the past two years, 233 people died of heroin overdose just in Erie and surrounding areas. 90% of that were between the ages of 18 to 35 years old. There's a battle to be fought, but we're winning. And we are changing the statistic in Erie, PA, because of you guys. Thank you. All right, real quick. Two years ago, there was 15 of us. We were just sitting up at the summit going, what do you want to do with this thing? So we all prayed. We just said, all right, God, we leave it up to you. Whatever you want to do with this thing. And just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our two-year anniversary, and there was over 240 people that showed up to that with young adults all over the place. From over 25 different churches from all across the city, coming from Ashabila, Ohio, to Jamestown, New York. I mean, it it was just awesome. 
But there's also some great people. There's some reason why those things happen. There's even a, a couple that sits in this room that aren't necessarily young adults. They're seasoned adults, <laughs> I guess. But they come every week, and they're one of the last people to leave. And every week, they're sitting down with different young adults every single week. That's Bob and Judy Ertle, and I just I appreciate you guys so much. If, if you're a young adult and you've been to their house or they've sat down with you, just raise your hand with the impact. I mean, they invite people over to their house all the time. They sit down. They're one of the last people to leave every single time. And even people like Joe and Jennifer Straub and, and Bert and Linda, you know, always be praying and they're always connecting with different people uh, with the group. And so we're just really appreciative of that. And even the intercessor prayer team here, uh, you guys praying for the group is really what's happened with this whole thing. It's really the behind the scenes of how this thing's all to come together. So thank you guys for supporting this over the last two years. And we're excited to see what God's going to do over the next coming years. That's great. Thank you. Right down here. Stand down here. So I'm asking Adam and Danielle to just stand there for a moment because we have done something that's really unprecedented in the over 80 years that this community of faith has been in existence. We've never, ever done this. But recognizing the opportunity that God has opened up in this region with young adults and, open, and, and, and recognizing the call on their lives that much like the Macedonians, out of not having much in life that, that these people aren't rich, but they're rich in this calling, which simply is they've given their life to Jesus, and Jesus said, now I want you to give your life to young adults. And so they said, we're going to give our life to young adults. So for the last several years, they've just been doing this with, with no, no pay. We've given them a couple hundred bucks here and there just for, to help with babysitting costs and whatever else, childcare. But they've just been giving their life toward this. And, and we said, this is a calling. So I'm just happy to announce to you this morning that for the first time ever, Erie First Assembly has appointed its own missionaries. And these two are missionaries to the young adults of Erie. So our missions dollars, the offerings that you give towards missions, as we, have, as we have crafted our philosophy and our strategy of missions and outreach in this world, we're giving this a high priority. So we're, we're able to, to give these guys a part-time salary as missionaries. We would like to give them full-time, but we don't have the money. So I just simply say to us today that we can do a lot more connecting as our generosity increases. Freely we have received, freely we give. So it's decision time for us. You've been sitting here and, and using your term, you said fire in the butt or something. I can't remember what it was, but it, it, it's, it, 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 it's time. Either we decide to keep our status quo, to keep our quo in a state it's in, or we begin to change the quo. We begin to say, I've got to change who I am and what I do according to Jesus. And therefore, it's going to take action. Even if I don't have the passion right now, if I take the action, the passion will come. So that I'm going to take the action that I will connect. Even if I'm an introvert, I will connect. That I will depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that all my resources, everything I am, I say, God, here it is. And you can simply begin by even tithing. 
I'm going to tell you, you cannot outgive God. He said through his scripture that if you trust me with your resources, if you tithe, I will pour a blessing on you that you cannot contain. I have found over all the years that I've given God 10%, even when I was unemployed trying to find work, that I gave him 10% of what I had. I found out that the 90% went a long way further than the 100% of me keeping it to myself. Because when I give him my 10%, I declare, you are Lord of everything. And he says, gotcha, I'm going to cover you. And he has, without a doubt, never has he failed in taking care of our needs. I'm telling you, if you're struggling right now financially and you're not tithing, you need to straighten that out. You need to tithe and look at the way you deal with finances. But Jesus said, I want you to be generous. And if you can't be generous, figure out why and begin to become generous because that's what God's created us to do. We've got to. So this morning, we're going to do this. I'm going to ask the, the elders and their spouses and the staff and their spouses to come. And you guys step a little further forward and, and surround these guys. We're going to set them apart for this ministry to which God has called them. So please come quickly. In addition to that, we're going to pray for them, and as we pray for them, I'm going to invite you to even give your life to God over again and say, I'm going to change the status of my quo. Okay, move in. Don't be shy. Come on. Act like you're at the Warner, I mean at the uh, Erie Insurance Arena and crowd in. Okay, we're going to pray for them in a moment. Then I'm also going to do this. Right after we finish praying for them, we're going to take an offering this morning, our, our tithes and our offerings, and we ask you to respond to that. If you're visiting, that this is not your deal, but I'm talking to the community of faith. So ushers, would you get up and would you come and just stand here in the front? And when we're done praying for them, we invite you to begin to, uh, to take the offering. And then after the offering's over, I'll come back up and I'll dismiss us. So ushers, would you come to the front when we're done praying, then begin to take the offering. And now, if you that are seated out there want to be part of this, if you could just stretch out your hands as if you're touching these folks and help us set them apart. So Father, I thank you for Adam and Danielle and their family and the calling on their lives. I thank you for the passion that you've given them for Erie's young adults. And I thank you that you've taken care of their needs. And I thank you that you've given us insight to declare them and recognize their calling as those who have a mission. And that mission is to connect with young adults in this city. So we set them aside as part of this community of faith. We set them aside for this calling. We pray on them an anointing, the ability to do the divine thing and the authority to function in this realm, that you'll take care of every need and that you will give them favorite insight. I thank you for the leadership you surrounded them with. I thank you for those who also feel that passion and that they will walk together. And what we see there on Tuesday nights is only the beginning of a movement that will change the young adults of this city. So we set them now apart in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to stand, and I leave you with two questions. Is the status of your quo, who you are and what you do, exactly what Jesus wants for you right now? And if not, what action step will you take this week? to begin to change that and to grow a passion to be that. So now I pray over you that you will have insight into the creative destiny that God desires for you. 
I pray that you will see it. And even though at times you can't believe that God would actually let you be that or do that, I pray that your faith will grow and you will have the courage to take a step this week. And in doing so, I pray that the passion will grow and the state of your quo will drastically change as you impact this world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, freely you have received, now freely give. God bless you. See you tonight. Rock the lakes.